0: and welcome to another episode of Live Till Five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. This is episode 201 on this Friday, January 27th, 2017. Just in case you're listening like 100 years in the future, this episode is recorded in the year 2017 AD. 3.05 p.m. in the afternoon, as I look out the windows of the KHMG studio, I see a few cars rolling by. I see our car line monitors dismissing students. Saw a bunch of children dress up like 100-year-olds today. I think they had activity in one of the grades. Glad you could be with us on the radio today. We're broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries here in Barragata, Guam. From the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, KHMG in Barragata, We love doing this show every Friday afternoon, 3 to 5 p.m. It's a live, local, talk and variety program. We intend to entertain you a little bit. We want to edify you, build you up in your Christian walk, encourage you, and make you laugh a little bit, smile a little bit, educate you sometimes on things maybe you didn't know. We interview people from the community. We interview some of our own staff members. We talk about big events that are happening on island and at Harvest and around the world. News. Funny stories that we call stranger than fiction, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. This Day in History with Lawrence Nagengast. What's in My Coffee, sponsored by Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore. And they actually made an early delivery today, so we already have our drinks here in studio. Plus our topic of the day and other things that we get to talk about here in the show idioms, the buck stops here, etc. So we have a lot in store for you today. Glad you can be with us. As soon as I'm done with the show here, if you're listening live, I'll be jetting out to Leo Palace for the Harvest Family Seminar Weekend. The Couples Retreat is today and tomorrow at Leo Palace. Pastor Danny Brooks will be speaking to the couples there. I think we're gonna have about 60 to 70 couples Friday night and Saturday. About half of them are staying overnight at the Leo Palace Resort. It's going to be a, a, some great meals, some good teaching, and uh, some good fellowship. I'm the MC for the event, so my wife is already nervous about the things I might or might not say, just to elicit a laugh, but I'm going to try and behave myself as much as I can. Unless people really, really are laughing, then no holds barred. But hey... It's going to be a great weekend. Danny Brooks will be speaking at Harvest Baptist Church on Sunday as well. Him and his wife will both be speaking on uh, topics related to the family and couples, marriage. So I encourage you to make it this Sunday to Harvest Baptist Church as well. Let's get started with the show. 3.07 p.m. on this Friday afternoon. You know you can listen through your computer, khmg.org. Our website has a number of different ways you can listen, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, RSS. You can just click on different links that we have there. The uh, Tune In button will take you to the Tune In website where you can stream live on your computer, or maybe you like to just listen the old fashioned way. You have a radio sitting there in your kitchen, or you have a stereo in your living room, or a little boombox on your desk at work, or maybe you're listening in your car, 88.1 FM on the radio dial, way down to the bottom left side, the lower end of the dial, beautiful stereo signal. It's just a gorgeous signal. We've been doing this for over 20 years here at KHMG, and uh, we enjoy it. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, broadcasting beautiful Christian music, Bible based programming. Even our news comes from a Christian worldview. And so we really are very selective about what we put out on the air because we want it to help build you up. And we never want to have to apologize about anything we put on the air. So. It's great. And because it is January, let me talk about a couple of things that are happening in the month of January. Today's January 27th. This past week, we had Sugar Awareness Week, Healthy Weight Week. Probably those two things go together. National Activity Professionals Week, Fresh Squeeze Juice Week, Week of Christian Unity, Sundance Film Festival, Bald Eagle Appreciation Days. Maybe I said this last week, but there's this uh, Bald Eagle webcam. Did I mention this last week? It's it's one of my favorite new channels, I must say. The Southwest Florida Eagle Cam. you got to check it out. If you've never watched the Southwest Florida Eagle Cam, as I'm looking right now, Mama Eagle is sleeping. And uh, baby Bald Eagle is laying next to her, growing every day. Just a beautiful, fluffy little baby eagle. And, uh... Too big now for a mom to sleep right on top of, so they're laying next to each other. It's nighttime. They have like a little night vision camera on. But during the day, the camera just stays on the Eagles in this uh in this Southwest Florida Eagle Cam. It's really cool to watch. So I don't know if you ever check that out. But anyway, yeah. It was Bald Eagle Appreciation Days on the 21st and 22nd. International Snowmobile Safety Awareness Week. We don't have too much of that here on Guam. And Certified Register's nurse anesthesists. I think I mentioned that last week. But This week, we also have National Handwriting Analysis Week, Clean Out Your Inbox Week, National School Choice Week, National Medical Group Practice Week, Hoof Care Week. I said it, Hoof Care Week, Children Authors and Illustrators Week, Catholic Schools Week, Meat Week starts this weekend, and Tax Identity Theft Week. So those are all the weeks that are happening here at the end of January. Some of the special days. Yesterday, National Green Juice Day and National Peanut Brittle Day. National Spouses Day and Dental Drill Appreciation Day. I wonder, that's kind of an ironic uh, compilation of two days. National Spouses Day and National Dental Drill Day. Is the irony lost on anyone else that that it's National Dental Drills Day and National Spouses Day? Not in my case. I love my spouse, and she. there's nothing to compare my spouse to a dental drill. But I just think that it's funny that they are juxtaposed uh, on the same day, which happens to be yesterday. So uh, Sebastian... What do you think about that? those uh, two days being the same day? you think it's a coincidence?
1: I don't know. see, I don't have a spouse, so like I have no idea.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, when you get a spouse, I'm sure you will not uh, you know equiv- uh, make an equivalent equivalency between <sighs> dental work and being married. It's not true. It's nothing like that at all. It's not. But I wonder why they made these days on the same day. It's just Who, who made ironic. them? I don't know. It's them. You know, it's those people <laughs> out them? there. It's, <laughs> I, this is provided by Bob the Librarian, who gets it from Linda DeVore, retired middle school librarian in Casa Grande, which I think means big house, Arizona. Uh, let's see here. So today is Auschwitz Liberation Day, Fun at Work Day, National Geographic Day, National Preschool Fitness Day, and National Chocolate Cake Day. And we have a box of chocolates here that Pastor Heron gave us from his good friend, Alfredo. And we are all enjoying some extra sugar. So if the show gets a little crazy, it's because of all the candy that Alfredo gave to Pastor that gave to me. Anyway, tomorrow, Data Privacy Day, Blueberry Pancake Day, National Kazoo Day. This is an interesting one right here. It's from the, it's the Fancy Rat and Mouse Day. I remember reading this last year. And I had to really think about that. The Fancy Rat and Mouse Day. Some people keep fancy rats and mice as pets. Yeah. And they think they're great pets. I have a friend that, that has a mouse pet. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> um. Let's see here. On the 29th, Curmudgeons Day. Curmudgeons Day. National Puzzle Day. That's what curmudgeons do is they work on puzzles all the time. Seeing Eye Dog Day. World Leprosy Day. Nothing to laugh at there. The 30th, National Croissant Day, National Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day, and Inane Answering Message Day, okay? And then the 31st, the end of this month, is Appreciate Your Social Security Check Day, uh, Inspire Your Heart With Art Day, Street Children Day, and National Backward Day, and, of course, Valkyries Day. So just to be clear, the uh, National Spouses and Dental Drill Appreciation Day – I do not agree with that at all. I just thought it was interesting that that is juxtaposed on the calendar of special day observations. So, anyway. Well, you know what I would like to do is uh, I think we're going to take a short break and go straight into our Harvest Highlights segments. a short one today, but we will uh, have a little Harvest Highlights. Then we'll come back with our Buck Stops Here segment, as well as some Stranger Than Fiction, This Day in History, and What's in My Coffee. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host episode 201 on this friday january 27th friday beautiful friday the beginning of the weekend maybe you're listening to us on saturday afternoon noon to two sunday night 7 to 9 p.m you can catch us on the rebound when we rebroadcast the show in its entirety however you're listening to us whenever you're listening to us we're glad you're with us stick around for a little harvest highlights and more live till five after this With a little more Live Till 5, it's Friday, January 27th. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 201, 201 episodes in our archives, in the can, as we say in the biz. We've been doing this now for almost four years, believe it or not. And uh, it's been fun every time. We've had really awesome episodes, and then we've had average episodes we've never had a bad episode i mean you know i'm the judge of that i don't know how high my standards are but i've been trained by the best i mean some of the best in the biz have either worked here or currently work here so in that respect i guess i'm an expert so don't laugh sebastian (laughs) So it's a beautiful, sunny afternoon on this island paradise of Guam. You know, you notice it even more when you have off-island guests come. This week we were able to surprise Pastor Joe Henson and García for their 40th wedding anniversary. They had their boys and their daughter-in-laws show up in church Sunday morning. It shocked them. We had paramedics standing by because we knew that that could just... uh send mrs henson over the edge uh with blood pressure but she actually said her blood pressure is probably better than it's been in a long time after seeing her boys and her daughters daughter in law is coming it was kind of a dream come true for them to be able to minister together this week and i believe they're traveling back right now as we speak on this friday afternoon but uh I'm glad that uh, we could have them here this week we recently had mark davis up here He was from iowa and my son andrew was on island and uh that's when you really remember just how beautiful and nice it is here on Guam. When other people come here and uh, they're kind of blown away by the natural beauty. The The pristine parts of Guam are the prettiest parts. The parts that have been kind of invaded by humankind sometimes are the ones that are the worst. Like uh, I just saw the news video. Maybe you saw this too, Chris. Uh, Gun Beach, right? Gun Beach, Yeah. yeah. That is terrible. And I've seen that firsthand. Yeah. And it just breaks your heart every time you see it. And it's like, it's not, it just doesn't make any sense. Why would people mistreat their island like that? It's a
2: great beach, too. It's There's that little walkway that goes around yeah. the rock, yep. and you go to that little more secluded area of the yep. beach. And yep. It's a great, great place. And now it's
0: gated off. You can't get, you can yeah. still get there. You just have to go from the Nico, or you have to walk through where that, um, the grill or whatever yeah. at the beach, you have to walk through there to get to the beach now, but you can't actually use that end parking lot area because yeah. I guess people were barbecuing and leaving all their garbage there. And There are a few places like that here on Guam. We ran some cross-country races up on the, um, I think it's its the near the Jigo Fire Station. There's a trail that's where the power lines go through, I believe it is. And so uh, they're just, people have, yeah. Actually, gone out of their way to drive back on this grass road and just dump huge bags of trash everywhere. Yeah, it's almost dangerous. It feels toxic, and I've experienced the same thing going to Tangisan. Yep, uh, we had thought about taking some friends there, but then I remembered how much trash, and I was like, I think I'll be embarrassed about that. So,
2: yeah, that's the worst I've seen is at Tangisan. There's just open bags of trash everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. so that you know. means people purposely. Go, no one lives there, so people purposely go down, unload bags of trash, and leave them there it 's just tragic and and so unnecessary. The reason I got off on this tangent is because i 'm looking out at the beautiful weather, the green jungle, the trash free not only just the campus <laughs> of harvest, but you know the the area around here is just a pretty area, and uh, you can 't even really see the ocean from here it 's still beautiful so you know it's I, i'm not i 'm not a tree hugging person, but I am I do believe in ecology, responsible well, ecology. Stewardship. Tr- trashing something is
2: is a whole different level right. altogether right. than just being for uh, yep. environmentalism. Right. And there's a difference right. between being just a good citizen right. um, and being for some policy that that enforces something and yep. you got to be a good citizen
0: at yep. the very least. That's yep. the
2: isn't that kind of the least we can do?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. A, so. You you even even if you're a resident and you're not a citizen, you know, you should respect the. Right. You know.
2: Well, yes. <laughs> I'm I mean, not saying citizen not of the United States. I'm just saying a, a person. Yes. Who exists in a community. Who
0: happens to be in yes. proximity to the, the people that yes. might or might not be citizens. Yes, I understand. All right. Good. Well, great. Well, you know what uh, I'd like to do right now is today is one of those unique times where all my different segments kind of all blend together a little bit and I want to. Go into one of my favorite segments right now. <laughs> it's called The Buck Stops Here. Famous quotes and sayings from politicians, scholars, preachers, teachers, barons of industry, and circus owners. This man, born July 5th, 1810, Bethel, Connecticut, P.T. Barnum became a successful promoter after moving to New York City. He displayed the Fiji Mermaid, and they spelled it F-E-E-J-E-E, Fiji Mermaid, and other oddities at the Barnum American Museum, and introduced audience to General Tom Thumb and opera singer Ginny Lynn. Barnum formed the circus that would come to be known as the greatest show on earth. In 1871, he died in Bridgeport, Connecticut, April 7th, 1891. Thanks in part to a continued success of the circus, Barnum is celebrated as a brilliant promoter and a man who transformed the nature of commercial entertainment in the 19th century. He's also remembered for his philanthropic contributions and investment in the city of Bridgeport, where exhibits of his life and the curiosities he brought to the public are featured at the Barnum Museum. He said these things. Every crowd has a silver lining. Every crowd. Clowns are the pegs on which the circus is hung. I'm going to start using that as some of my coworkers. Without promotion, something terrible happens, nothing. And finally, to me, there is no picture so beautiful as smiling, bright-eyed, happy children. No music so sweet as their clear and ringing laughter. P.T. Barnum goes along with our topic of the day, which is the circus. Now we have another segment that we were reminded of last week As we talk to Nicholas Brown, who I'm not sure if they had their baby yet. They were supposed to have a baby this week, but I I haven't seen anything on the interweb yet. But hopefully we will hear or see something from Nicholas Brown here about the baby. If one of you know, you can always message us. Go to Harvest Family Radio on Facebook and give us an update about Nick and Julia, whether or not they had their baby. But Nick was the one who got us kind of hooked on idioms. He would play this little idiom game with us, which I think Chris uh, pretty much won about every week. But uh, I've been going through this book of idioms. However, this week, I'm stepping away from the scholastic book by Marvin Turban that was provided to us by our famous listener, PC. And instead, I'm going with an article written on Hotels.com, Idioms of the World. Um, And so let me go through a few worldwide idioms. And the first one I want to talk about ties into our theme of the day. It's a Polish idiom. Some of you might be familiar with it. It means not my problem. More cryptic than just saying not my problem. The Polish expression, not my circus, not my monkeys, makes perfect sense and is a lot more fun to say. Poland can offer a, tr- a traveler some difficulties in terms of cultural customs. Holding your thumbs means good luck. Um, uh, crossing, uh, don't cross your fingers. Um, you'll probably need a bit of luck with all those monkeys running around, according to Hotels.com. Not my circus, not my monkey. That's uh same as not my problem. That's an idiom they say. That's what I say about this show. It's not my monkey. Not my monkey, not my circus, not yeah. my job, not my paycheck. Okay, how about this one? It's an Italian idiom. If you have any Italian friends, in Missouri they say Italian, but I know that's it's It's Italian, right? right. Yeah. yeah, it's like That Italian restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Italian restaurant. Yeah. No, they say Italian back (laughs) Italian. Those (laughs) Italians. Yes. The Italian Italian. stallion. Okay. Anyway, this is what they say I've heard in bocca al lupo. In bocca al lupo. It means into the mouth of a wolf. The meaning is good luck. Into the mouth of a wolf is a very popular Italian phrase that's similar to our break a leg and perhaps much more understandable you'd say it to someone facing a tough trial or nerve-wracking performance such as an exam or a concert but don't say thank you in response that's bad luck the correct answer is may the wolf die may the wolf die. so sebastian say to me into the mouth of a wolf
1: into the mouth of a wolf
0: may the wolf die
1: Yes. Okay. Great. There you go. Now
0: <laughs> we we've... should say
2: that before the show starts. <laughs> Into, <laughs> Into the, the mouth, the mouth of, the wolf. of the
0: wolf. May the wolf die. <laughs> That's our new show motto. Here's a <laughs> Japanese idiom. Uh, Kau ga hero e. Kau ga hero e. Now, unlike the Italian or the Polish ones, <laughs> I probably because we actually might have people that speak Japanese that listen to the show. I might have just totally got myself in trouble, but. This is to have many friends, what they say, to have a wide face, to have a wide face. Uh, we all know in Asian country. basically they have some of the best proverbs. They also have some fantastic idioms. To have a wide face means you have lots of friends and are well-liked. It could be based on reality, as men with wide faces supposedly earn more money and are more attractive to women, or it could come from the Chinese concept of face which is where we get our own term losing face. That's
2: not something you'd probably want to say
0: in the Americas. No. Right? No.
2: You have a wide face. Yeah, they I have mean, a you wide might, face. You're and, you
1: fat. is basically what it sounds. You know, have a
2: like. wide face and <laughs> yeah. stocky limbs. You might get your face rearranged. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If that's
0: you right. say somebody it's has a, a wide target. face, yeah. Here's a, here's a French one. Les démons de midi. Les démons de midi to have the midday demon. Mm, interesting to have a midlife crisis for example mm. that's what it means to have a midlife crisis well wow. to have a midday demon wow like a f- i like midlife crisis better not that i want to have either but i'm getting close <laughs> that's a bit
1: more of a soothing word it doesn't sound like so i think this show
0: is my midlife crisis it was cheaper <laughs> than getting a red ferrari anyway or coloring my hair okay <laughs> to feed a donkey sponge cake that's a portuguese that's what they say in the portuguese that's wow when we were in new hampshire they wouldn't say they would say everything was the Portuguese, like, right. like that, was, that was its own. Instead of saying that's what they would say in Portuguese or uh, let's go talk to those Portuguese people. There are a lot of Portuguese speaking people there um, because uh, Brazilians had come up. They say, no, that's what they do in the Portuguese. I don't know why they just say that. Anyway, uh, to give good treatment to someone means to feed a donkey sponge cake or to feed a donkey sponge cake means to give good treatment to someone. Um, it's to give good treatment to someone that doesn't need it. Portugal's variation on the Bible's advice about pearls before swine. Okay? So basically, don't give a donkey, you know, a little Debbie snack cake. They don't appreciate it. Okay? Yeah. Anyway, like, don't give a donkey a Twinkie. I mean, that's basically it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see here. I will have In thing. German, Katzensprung. Katzensprung. Speaking of Germans, we have one of our most famous Germans just walked in, Lawrence Nagengast. Katzensprung. It means a catch jump. It's a short distance away. A catch jump is the minority of German idioms in that it doesn't refer to either beer or sausages. Uh, that's most of their idioms, apparently. Katzensprung simply means a short distance away or a stone's throw, as we'd say in English. Um, a catch jump. Katzensprung. Like reach across there. It's only a Katzensprung. My house is just a, a just a cat's jump away from the street. That's studio. right, it's just a cat's jump away. It's just a it's a cat's and sprung. uh Here you go. Here's a Spanish one. Um, good thing we don't have any Spanish speaking people that listen to the show. Dar yep, Calabazas <laughs> a Alguien. Dar Algu- Calabazas a alguien to give someone pumpkins. I would have never been able to interpret that one. Some of them, you know, you can kind of like cats in sprung. It's like a cat sprung. You know, yeah. you're kind of like, oh, it must be a cat jumping. Yeah, to reject somebody, as we're sure you've guessed, uh, to give someone pumpkins means to turn somebody down. It's yeah. a colorful idiom you find in Spain originates from ancient Greek where pumpkins were considered uh, basically not something that you would want to give to someone that you're trying to draw to yourself or attract. Hmm. Here's another one. Russian. I cannot even pronounce it. Exact, exact that didn't even sound right it's Probably uh, to travel without a ticket is to ride as a hare as the home of the Trans-Siberian Railway Russian, Russia probably has quite a few train related idioms okay? to ride as a hare means to ride the train without a ticket so uh, I guess um, apparently it comes from the fact that fare dodgers would shake like a hare whenever the ticket inspector would come around I don't know. Shake like a hair. That's probably another idiom that we don't understand. Here's a Finnish one. I love Finnish stuff. Just anything from Finland. I think it's because Dr. Olala was my college president, and everything he does, pretty much, I like, uh, except for saunas. And um, he he would say he would say stuff like uh, 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 guts. Finnish have this this term for guts called sisu, s i s u. Wow. So I got a bumper sticker when I moved to New Hampshire because there's a large Finnish community up there. Oh. I put that. I got positive vibes from a lot of people because people with Finnish heritage, they really appreciate that you recognize something about them. And so the, the, uh, I had a, a mug, I think it was, it said, the power of the fin is the sisu within. And that was their guts. They, they're tough. Anyway, Finnish, to let a frog out of your mouth. I don't. Hopefully, my, my opinion didn't just go down to say the wrong thing. Uh, Finnish idioms have a lovely tone to them, often referencing uh, Mother Nature and their homeland. Having rye in your wrist means to be physically strong, for instance. Own your own land strawberries um, or other land blueberries. The Finns love for the motherland. Letting a frog out of your mouth means to say the wrong thing. This is that could be like our sub theme for our whole show. Letting yeah. a frog out of our mouth every week from 3 to 5 p.m. Saying the wrong <laughs> thing, which makes sense, because uh, spitting a frog at someone would almost be always the wrong thing to do. It's like letting the cat out of the bag. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Now, here's the here's the last one. This is Danish, so the great Danes out there. Um <laughs> it, wolf and wolf. It's uh, at have in peened at oret.
2: Oh boy. Hmm.
0: That's exactly how they say it in Daneland. It is to have a stick in your ear, Uh, to not listen to someone. A lot of Danish idioms will sound familiar to us. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer, for instance. But the Danes would go absolutely cucumber if you were found to have a stick in your ear. Those are both idioms in Daneland. This means to not listen to someone, which can be a very bad thing uh, to do to somebody with a strong Viking ancestry. There you go. Idioms of the world, hotels.com, we kind of mixed it up a little bit with our idiom idiom segment today, and I'm glad we did. I'm really glad we did, because sometimes you just need to mix things up. Sometimes, you know, life needs to be more interesting. You just need to let a frog out of your mouth. Just let a frog out of your mouth. 201 <laughs> episodes in a row, of letting frogs out of our mouth. Let this frog out. So I'll tell you what. <laughs> let's take a short break, and when we come back. We're going to put something in our mouth. Coffee drinks from the hub this is jared baldwin live till five on harvest family radio 339 p.m on friday afternoon january 27 stick around more live till five after this short break Live till 5, 3.43 p.m. on Friday, January 27th. I'm glad to have you with us here on Live Till 5. We're on 88.1 FM KHMG every Friday, 3 to 5. But we rebroadcast the show in its entirety from noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. Catch us on the rebound. We know that most people are not wall-to-wall listeners, especially if you're not related to one of us. You probably don't listen to the whole show. You just catch a few minutes here and there. And uh, we're glad that you do. So uh, if you're uh, wanting to communicate with us, you can always go to our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. Leave us a note. Give us a thumbs up. And go to our website, khmg.org. There are some really great programs on there, much greater, in fact, than this show right here that we produce locally, Building Great Leaders, Heart of Harvest, um, Harvest Living Redemptively, Harvest Echoes. Uh, echoes. What else do we produce there, Chris? I just named four Harvest or five. Time. Harvest Time. Harvest Highlights. Harvest Highlights is on there as well? interviews with kids. Har- Harvest wow. Highlights is not on
2: there. Is that? It's not on no. there? But you can go to the What if a parent school, wants to
1: hear Sung Hu? There's could, you, a <laughs> lot of people that want to hear those interviews. You could go to the school website,
2: hcaguam.org slash S-O-T-W. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. For Student of the Week. And therein will be contained. Really? Student of the Week interviews. Get it wow. hcaguam.org forward slash sotw Don't okay forget.
0: All right excellent no people won't after that. hundreds of interviews yeah all that's, each awesome. Unique. that's awesome That's <laughs> awesome. Well you know what since uh, I, I just I want to get to this day in history but I also think because we've all been sipping on our drinks for a while we need to just take a break and remind people that this segment's brought to us by the Hebrews worldwide coffee shop and bookstore the best little coffee shop in Guam offering an endless variety of coffees, teas, baked goods, Christian music. Books and gifts, including the, largest blah, blah, including the largest selection of Yankee candles in all of Finland. I go there every day. Not Finland, but the coffee <laughs> shop. I like it a lot. I like Finland a lot, but I like the coffee shop even more. And it's still open for 14 more minutes if you're listening live on Friday afternoon. Now, let's play What's in My Coffee? Now, we're all drinking some, some things that were provided for us by uh, Generalissimo barista uh, Jeremy Wendell. And... Um, I I don't know if he, with his own delicate hands, made these drinks or if someone else made them for us. But they were delivered early, and we've been partaking of them. And you can tell mine is highly caffeinated. That's why I'm talking so fast. I have the only hot drink of the bunch, so I'll go last. Let's let Lawrence, because he's confident. He's confident that he knows what it is. Probably just by looking at it, he knows what it is.
3: Yeah, it helps when uh, it's a clear cup and it's bright green like the Grinch. And uh, that's not what it tastes like, but it's what it reminds me of. It even has his little, the, 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 the fluff on top like uh, his, his Santa hat. It does look a little bit like, wears. now that you say that, yes. I could probably put a little face here, mm-hmm, and, you know, mm-hmm. paint the cap red. Yes. he would be in business. Anyways, uh, it's, it's a green tea um, matcha frap. Okay, uh, It's very green tea-ish. They used to have this with blueberry in it as well, and it was mm-hmm. actually my favorite drink my first couple years of being earlier. Really? here. Yeah, it was. But uh, now that it doesn't have the blueberry, it, it, it doesn't give me the same satisfaction. It's yeah. still a good drink. I enjoy it. It's cold. It's got whipped cream. Uh, not a lot to hate yeah. if you like okay. green tea. All right. And most people do, but there are a few weirdos out there.
0: All right,
1: Sebastian. <laughs> um, well, I've just been so, you know, I don't know what it is, but it has a taste of cinnamon in it. And Mm -hmm. it also has like, um, I don't know, it's like chocolate, but then it also is like coffee's there, too. Okay. And it's
0: blended. blended, Yep. With a little whipped cream. Yeah. Yeah. And it's enough that it stopped up your straw, so you had to get a second straw. And I had to
1: get it, so I'm trying with two straws,
0: Look but like even you the
1: second straw is failing. Having an aneurysm or something. I don't know if it's cinnamon or maybe another ingredient
3: I don't know the name of.
0: Like a, like a, a, something with a little texture to like it, a little powder? Maybe nutmeg. That my mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this
3: chocolate nutmeg coffee hey, You drink, never uh, know.
0: You never know. That's a mystery one if, there. In the Spice Islands of Indonesia, that's very popular.
1: I'm, if anything, I'm coming up with good ideas for other drinks. Okay. Oh, All right. So if I you had to name that drink, off. Sebastian, what
0: would you name it?
1: The – oh, man, I'm really bad at this. The uh,
0: – I know that's why I asked you on the <laughs> probably it's me? probably the Rolo is probably <laughs> what Yeah, what, what is, do you, would you would you be satisfied if that was a Rolo? Is that like a liquid the choco- Rolo? Chocolate Rolo? Choco- okay. All right. We'll find out here in a second. Mm. I have them on uh <laughs> this piece of paper here. Now, Chris, you have a an iced drink? This is a tea drink. Yes.
2: I can tell because there's a tea bag in it. Yes. That was the start of my clue. Right. Yeah. What if
0: they're uh, just trying to throw you off? Well, it, they, they <laughs>
2: Surprise coffee.
0: <laughs> you take <laughs> no. it and you spray it with that never wet or something, and then it would be like a tea bag you could put inside a cup. And yeah. It, no. It's the really, rubber. The what it,
2: what it is, seal. is there is also calamansi in this. okay. Okay. And so there's, uh, there is a fruity tea mm-hmm. with calamansi, and the taste of the tea with the Calamansi is is probably mm, a
0: good the, uh, combination is that like a cherry a green, green tea. tea. Well, cherry it might be. Tea. Does it have
3: cherry in it? I, I think it's
0: cherry. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, so well, it's nice. kind of like a, I mean they have that like a yeah. cherry limeade or whatever. Yeah, but that, tea, yeah, that's but tea. exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah. that's what it is. I think yes. that's where they got the idea. Mine is uh, a simple drink. It's hot, creamy, with uh, at least one, maybe two shots of espresso in it. Um, some some heated up milk, a little froth on top. I believe that it has sugar in it, but not a lot. I'd add a little sweetener to it. I believe it's just a straight up latte. It, it, I don't think it's a flavored latte. I think it's just a, a latte. Let's see here. Uh, so, good news, Sebastian. The things that are stopping up your straws are supposed to stop up your straws. What uh is it? It's a Java chip frap. Java chip. They're, it's like a Chocolate
3: it's coffee chip. Chocolate I know, chips. it was some it. sort of chocolate. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Java like, chip it That's a so, good one. That's like really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, like but those if Arby's, drink Arby's drink shakes. Have you ever had one yeah. of those Arby's shakes? Well,
3: even the mocha, uh, even the mocha chip or the um, chocolate chip down at McDonald's is oh, yeah. just like that. I yeah, I just like it, but shake. not as good. Jamocha shake at yeah, Arby's. That Arby's. Yeah, yeah. Arby's. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's so many little bits of chocolate on the edges you like scrape it with your straw. Anyway, this is really good too, by
0: the way. Um, okay, and Lawrence, you have the green tea matcha frap. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> you have uh, 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 Chris. You have the cherry lemon green tea. Lemon, lemon cherry lemon green tea with calamansi.
2: Yeah, calamansi. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's a great combination yeah. right there. That's, yeah, refreshing, that's refreshing, cold right there. That's and if you're a hobo, you can actually refill the cup with more water and get two drinks in one. Yes. Then you have basically a watery green tea the second time. I'll remember that. Lest yeah. you're a hobo someday and <laughs> yeah. need to pull that <laughs> yeah. toy back. Right. <laughs> right. And then my drink is a hot mocha, so I, I missed it by a little bit. It's uh, it, no latte. It's a mocha, so you it has a little chocolate a in it.
3: sweetener after it already had yeah, chocolate? Yeah, it's not.
0: I'm telling you, they they went light on the chocolate, which I'm I'm grateful for. It's I mean, they I, know that I try and usually go sugar-free. It's all yeah. in here. Yeah, it's they they, they doubled up Sebastian's. <laughs> <Like cake>. drink.
2: <laughs> I think it's hard to hop on the train with the drink in your hand, though. Yeah. It's a danger of death or dismemberment. Yes. Well, yeah. you know, you just gotta. You might take just have
3: slow. to put that in your in your handkerchief yeah. that's dangling from your. That's right. Stick. <laughs> that's right. I will. And yeah. As a hobo, I get yeah. it.
0: I see the. I see. We, Sorry, we we, we, we were on, on a with the totally illustration. different train. Than <laughs> you I'm like, were. I'm trying to get Which, caught up yeah. mentally. I'm Which like, for okay, this show, he's getting on a is train. rare. And it's like <laughs> I'm a hobo. Usually, yeah. you're
3: the one running. Well, running yeah. on trains. Well, in
0: Jared world, you know, we switch we switch metaphors like every ten seconds. So thing to do. Now, speaking of switching things up, we have about eight minutes before the top the hour. Lawrence, you got some This Day in History for us? Yeah, sure.
3: We'll do a little bit of This Day in History. uh, July. Wow. We are way up. When? Where? January 27th, uh, 2017 is today. But 98 uh, AD, the year 98 AD, uh, Trajan becomes the Roman Emperor after the death of Nerva. Uh, Nerva and, and then Trajan will start an era of what was known as the five good emperors in the age of Rome. Uh, it's after the five emperors uh, of Octavian's family, uh, guys like Nero and um, and Octavian and um, those guys. That there was five of them that ran. And Caligula. Now, Caligula was yep. part of that. Yeah. And then um, basically
0: a bunch of really wicked dudes. Once
3: Nero died, he didn't leave behind any uh, offspring to become the emperor, and so the Senate actually chose Nerva. He was in his sixties, late sixties, and they chose him because of that. He was old. And they said, hey, worst case scenario, you know, we pick mm-hmm. another one. He's not going to probably be around forever. But he was actually in the time there. He was a good emperor. Trajan did a good job. Um, Hadrian was one of these. And uh, so these are the guys that uh, ruled Rome uh, for the 100 AD era till about 200 AD. And then things will really start to decline after the five mm. of them uh, are off the scene. 1671, so a whole lot closer to today. Uh, Pirate Henry Morgan lands at Panama City in world history class last year, and even this year. Uh, we watch a, a, one, a video on pirates. I always say it. They're like, like oh, we're going to watch pirates? Pir- no, not oh. that, nor Pirates of the Caribbean. Even though they are the Pirates of the Caribbean, it's an actual documentary on this guy's life. And, um, and the interesting um, shift in, in Jamaica, there was an entire um, port city that's now underwater um, because there was five forts at the end of this like peninsula that it was very small spit of land is what they say, um, and you see this this fort that's there still one of them is still there, and it has the rings on the side of the wall that you you know uh, dock a boat to. Well, the the fort now is totally landlocked because there's been some earthquakes and some shifting, and so you have part of the city that dropped into the uh, Caribbean Sea and then some of the others that have now land that's above water. It's very interesting. Uh, but anyways, it's all about Henry Morgan and his um, start in, in Europe and then mm. his move to um, to the New World, I guess. 1710, Tsar Peter the Great sets first Russian state budget. Uh, one of the great things that Peter did, uh, he was also the man to start their navy. Um, he himself went out there and actually great. built ships with his men. That's great. Um mm-hmm. Uh, eighteen eighty Thomas Great. Edison, yeah, yeah, hence his name. Uh, eighteen eighty Thomas Edison patents electric incandescent lamp. Uh, of course, anytime you bring up that stuff, everybody's well, you know, did, how much did he really invent, and how much was taking, or you know, whatever. Anyways, he was a good inventor nonetheless. Um, Nineteen twenty six physicist Erwin Schrödinger. Publishes his theory of wave mechanics and pre- presents what becomes known as the Schrödinger equation in quantum mechanics. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> no,
3: I'm serious. I uh, I just read something about this. I just I believe I, he's the same guy with the the cat theory. Um yeah, I think Schrödinger's Shro- cat. Yeah,
0: Schrödinger's cat. And
3: I thought that I could be wrong. I thought he became a
0: Christian later in life, but I could be wrong. Oh, that, that may be. That may be 1969. Schrodinger's cat is, Oh yeah. Uh, the cat that. is in the box. Basically, you don't know. I, I, I am, I'm not a philosophy <laughs> major, so maybe, maybe you guys can help me. But I believe the, the theory is, um, or the, the puzzle is, there's a dead cat in a box. The box is taped well, you, shut. But you don't But know. you don't know. You cannot say for certain if the dead cat is in the box, if you can't open the box. But you can't open the box. But there's a dead cat in the box. And it's like this whole philosophical, the, the, scientific the theory, discussion.
3: The theory is you can be right on either account. The cat can be both alive and dead. Oh, that's because it. Because yep. you don't know Right. the box is closed. And so at any one time, you can be both correct. It can be both alive or dead. And you'll never know. So mm. it's, it's yeah, it's a deep philosophical. Uh, Sounds like
2: beating a dead horse to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep.
3: May the wolf uh, be with you. Is that what there yeah. is the other? No. no is into Climb the mouth, into of, the a mouth wolf. of a wolf. Oh, wolf. Made uh, the wolf die. Uh, <laughs> wow! I Sorry. hope you didn't just join us. Yeah, uh, if you were here yeah. in the first half hour, you'd, you you're right with us. Actually, uh, 1969, Chuck Knoll is named head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The youngest coach. My father-in-law actually knows Chuck Knoll. Uh, the youngest coach in NFL history at the time. Do you know who the youngest his, the youngest NFL coach is right now in history? There's a new number. By the way, Chuck Knoll was born in. Uh, 1932, I believe, so he'd have been 37 when he took that job, which is young. Uh, 37-year-old NFL coach. Anybody know is, who... Is he currently coaching? Just started. Just started? As in two weeks ago? Is it like the Miami Dolphins or... No. It, is it it's the uh, new coach of the Rams, the L.A. Rams. Uh, the L.A.
2: Rams. Hmm.
3: No idea. His name is Sean McVay, and he's 30. Wow. He's my age. Um, and i can't imagine trying to keep well since a most room of the players
0: on. are in their early twenties to
3: mid twenties I guess right.
0: you could you know but as there's long some as you
3: linemen have- and some tight ends that are in their mid to late thirties yeah uh, i'm not I, I don't exactly know uh, the line or the uh, roster of the rams, but still I mean yeah. most of those coaches are in their fifties sixties even and then you got this young guy who's thirty, so will be an interesting um Will be an interesting uh, year, you know, kind of seeing what he's what he does. Uh, 1969, same year, first men's Australian Open. Rod Laver beats Andre Gimeno. Uh, interestingly enough, Rod Laver is actually an Australian, and the arena, the central arena at the Australian Open, is the Rod Laver Arena, mm. um, it, which is going on right now. What a coincidence. I can't remember. He, like, wins at a place that was accidentally named after him. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it uh, was named then. Um, I didn't follow up but at the time it's been a while but Venus Williams and Serena Williams were both in the semifinals um it, they haven't been in the finals against each other of a major tennis tournament in a number of years um but I was started watching that yesterday and I never followed up so maybe if there's a minute here uh we're almost done anyways I might find that and let let you know so if you really yeah, you know yeah I would love to know your seat. yes I am um, <laughs> anyways uh actually this is more important or more interesting to me but it was one year ago today uh, that the website I use on this received a substantial facelift courtesy of fresh new website design brand design studio uh, floak, uh dedicated history and film and and television channels are launched alongside the new design so um, I remember that a year ago sure that I my the whole design changed and I had to change kind of how I did this segment. Yeah. But um that that's uh this day in history. This yeah. day in
0: history, January
3: twenty-seventh.
2: <laughs> that was big, big item to end on. Hey, yeah. Great. yeah it really, hey, really yeah. it
3: was. I was just gonna see.
0: <laughs> well, thanks. During the breaking, give me the Venus and Serena uh uh down low. And listeners, thanks for hanging around. That was This Day in History, and this is Live Till Five. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host, episode two hundred and one on this January twenty-seventh. And you're listening to Live Till Five on KHMG. Harvest Family Radio, 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for SRN News and another hour of Live Till 5 after this. and we're back with a second hour of live till 5 404 p.m. on Friday January 27th glad you could be with us this is our 2 hour live local talk and variety program here on KHMG 88.1 fm Harvest Family Radio broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio looking out the window in a drizzly Friday afternoon now if you're listening on Saturday or Sunday don't be alarmed We rebroadcast the show in its entirety from noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. And we do that on purpose because we know you might just want to listen over and over again. You might miss a part of the show and you want to catch it. You might want to say, hey, I just heard the funniest thing ever in my whole life. And I want you to listen to this with me from noon to 2 on Saturday or 7 to 9 on Sunday night. We try and catch those churchgoers on their way home from church. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking to you right now. We uh, catch the car line folks. We catch the Saturday errand running folks. And, of course, we love those people that just leave the radio on all the time. Kind of a uh, just a great audience. You can contact us through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio. Not just about this show, but about anything we do at Harvest Family Radio. We broadcast 24-7 beautiful Christian music, Bible-based programming. This show's a little more lightweight, fun, edifying, entertaining. And uh, we want to encourage you today, give you an alternative, something to listen to, something that's fun and lighthearted, but it has a purpose. We, we want to edify you. We want you to walk away from this show uh, just saying, hey, wow, that was refreshing. That was nice. So glad you could be with us this afternoon. Now, today's topic of the day. Sebastian's going to give us a little origin story here. But the reason I chose the circus as our topic of the day is because about two weeks ago, a listener submitted this story to me. And I love listener-submitted content. So if you ever want to send me a link... You can send it through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio. The greatest show on earth is getting a curtain call. Field Entertainment, Feld Entertainment, owner of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus, said in a statement that the show will end its 146-year run in May. Mm -hmm. The iconic circus declined in recent years due to high operating costs and long, costly legal battles with animal rights groups, such as the one to eliminate elephant acts. Ticket sales had already fallen, but they dropped more significantly than anticipated after the elephants were retired last May. I think we talked about that on the show here. The company's two circus shows, Out of This World and Circus Extreme, have 30 shows left, including appearances in Atlanta, Brooklyn, Boston. The final shows are May 7th at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island, and May 21st at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in New York. This was a difficult business decision to make, but by ending the circus tours, we'll be able to concentrate on the other lines of business within the Feld Entertainment Portfolio. Very sad for those that love the circus. However, you know, everything has a shelf life, I guess. I got to go to the circus when I was a kid. We're going to talk about that. Someone just told me about Circus Bruno that came to Guam. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But I want to hear from Sebastian about the origin story of Circus. Now, Pastor Heron told me the first circus was Noah, and he brought all the animals on the ark two by two and put them in rings. Uh. So I don't know if that's a historical fact, but I can see the correlation. But what, what, what's the origin story of the circus, Sebastian?
1: The origins are intense, like a circus.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 oh. The listeners love that kind of stuff. Intense. Yeah, the listeners love that it. stuff. We have people laughing in their cars right now. Intense. The origin was intense. You know who likes that kind of stuff? Pastor Joe Henson. Oh, I hope he's listening. He loves corny stuff like that and uh he is a he is the king of corn. He loves those <laughs> those turns of phrase and play on words, so the origin of circus was intense. Great. Yes. Awesome. And here okay. we go.
1: Give it to us. So a comparatively recent origin of the circus, um, it can be traced back to ancient Rome, though, elements of it, not the entirety. Um, if you know of the Circus Maximus, that was uh, where Gladiator Games, right? Or hmm Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> um, that was the Circus Maximus uh, was in operation for more than a 1,000 years. Um, and it would seem, on the surface, that the exhibitions and the carnage um, had little in common with modern circuses. But in, it, it's from these um, Roman circuses that traditions such as trained animals and pre-show par- parades, parades, <laughs> parades, <laughs> parades, <laughs> um, so trained animals and pre-show parades are derived from from these uh, Roman traditions. So, uh, the modern circus, it came into being in, in England in 1768 when Philip Astley, a former sergeant major turned trick rider, found that if he galloped in a circle while standing on his horse back, um, it helped him keep his balance while galloping in a circle. <laughs> um, it is perhaps because of this discovery that he is often credited with having invented the circus ring. But... The circus ring. Uh, in fact, it was a device that was that was already in use for some time. But because he's the one that used it for mm-hmm. for uh, that, um, everyone kind of credits him with it. Uh, from the time of its origin in England, the circus was often presented in a theater setting, mostly in uh, permanent or semi-permanent buildings of flimsy construction. Okay. Yep. Um, John Bill Ricketts, a Scottish writer. He presented the circus exhibitions in Philadelphia and New York City in 1793. Uh, This is the first time the United States got its introduction to the circus. Um, And one of the big things that that circuses, uh, one of the big attractions for the circuses was elephants. So as we were kind of talking over, it kind of is a big deal. Um, They were a great attraction. and, And usually back in the day, they would have to be transferred from town to town at night. So that no one would see them during the day. So I mean, imagine transporting a giant elephant around it. And I, I mean, I don't yep. expect them getting lost very easily. Nope. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So um, uh, eventually, America became the world leader in circus innovations, um, adding more rings and larger tent tops. And it was because of this innovation um, that we began to mo- that we gained a uh, modern system of rail track freight handling. Um, it comes from the, the time when uh, Barnum's greatest show on earth had to transport the circus with three trains overnight. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Without the circus, uh, we probably wouldn't have, have advanced as much in the freight handling business on trains.
0: Wow. Yeah. huh? That's a neat origin. And uh, I know that different people have different opinions. Um, when, when you look up circus... Most of the sites that aren't Wikipedia or historical sites have something to do with animal activism. I think that um, animal activism, animal protection uh animal rights have uh pretty much decimated the circus and the sea world type um, exhibits around the world because you know of alleged mistreatment and abuse of animals or whatever neglect things like that so I think that the uh, next target are the zoos. But anyway, thank you for uh, sharing that. You're welcome. Appreciate that, Sebastian. And we're going to talk a little more about the circus in a little bit, but I want to hear some news from Chris. So uh, it, And Sebastian, by the way, you're free to go if you need to go. Oh, here's wonderful. So, wonderful Yeah. Wonderful time yeah okay, you can hang out here as long <laughs> as you like. So, Chris, give us some news.
2: All right. Well, we're going to look at a couple of things we've uh, talked about before on the program. But we're going to start with Vice President Mike Pence, who has agreed to speak at Friday's March for Life. Now, this has been on SRN News. We've been listening throughout the day. But in a statement late Thursday, the March for Life organization said neither a president nor a vice president had ever spoken at the event, which is now in its 44th year. One of President Donald Trump's top advisors, Kellyanne Conway, is also on the list of speakers. The president of the March for Life organization, Gene Mancini, called Pence a friend and a champion of the pro-life cause his entire career, first as a congressman, then as Indiana governor, and now, of course, as vice president. Organizers said earlier in the week that they were expecting an appearance from a a surprise VIP guest, we can assume that that's Pence. The organization has predicted tens of thousands of demonstrators who would rally on the National Mall starting at midday Friday before marching to the Supreme Court. The March for Life is held each year by protesters marking the anniversary of the Supreme Court case Roe versus Wade that happened in 1933 and it legalized.
0: 1973? Abortion. Oh, did I say 1933?
2: 1973. I apologize. It's all right. It legalized abortion nationwide. Now, something we've talked about before on this program, um, I keep up a little bit with some um, news in the UK because I listen to some BBC radio programming. So this has been an enormous issue, like a a historic debate in the UK about Brexit. And we talked about that when it happened. Um, it hasn't... Uh, the reason we haven't heard much about it since the uh, original vote is because there's been an argument going on that I'll mention from this uh, this story today. Brexit Minister David Davis began the process of passing a law that enables the government to trigger Britain's exit from the European Union. Now, earlier this week, Britain's top court ruled that Prime Minister Theresa May must seek parliamentary approval to trigger Article 50 of the EU's Lisbon Treaty, rejecting the government's argument that it could do so unilaterally. Now, it's a little bit of a misleading part of the story because there was, of course, a vote by the British people. um, And there was some discussion before the vote took place i'm revealing a little bit of a bias on this story by the way but there was a there was a lot of discussion before the vote took place about whether or not the results of the uh, referendum would be binding and of course the people all said oh yes this will be binding except they didn't realize that the people would vote to leave the eu of course they wanted it to be binding (laughs) there's a whole lot of people who wanted it to be binding if they stayed uh, but not a whole lot of people who wanted it to be binding uh,
0: if the vote was to leave.
2: So it's a little bit disingenuous in the sense that... And the EU, of, sudden,
0: of course, did not want them to leave no, because they're they're uh, keeping uh, the EU buoyant in some ways financially. They're
2: one of the only uh, nations in Europe, apart from perhaps Germany and a couple of others, that uh, have any... Um, Financial stability.
0: Yeah, they're solvent. And they don't many have the much, others, right.
2: but they're, they're better off than most of the European nations.
0: Which is one of the arguments, if I remember right, why many of them wanted to leave the European Union. Because they did not want to be dragged down with some of these other countries that have... Basically, um, uh, they're going through austerity measures and things like that. The right. uh, United Kingdom didn't want to do that, and the United Kingdom is a sovereign nation. So I assume that a sovereign nation can decide for itself what it wants to do, and that a outside union cannot come in and say, "No, you can't do that."
2: Right. So the the argument was that that the the vote was not valid. Parliament uh, is what they would call sovereign over the the laws of the government. And so um, the ruling by the court is that um, it has to be a law passed through the Parliament, the House of Lords, the House of Commons. And so that's where we are basically right hmm. now. The ruling is not expected to derail May's plans to invoke Article 50 by the end of March. Article 50 starts the process of the exit from the European Union, which will start two years um Two years of complex negotiations with the EU on the terms of the exit and its new trading arrangements. But it may force the government to reveal more of its negotiating position than they necessarily wanted to. Very
0: Did. interesting that that is on the heels of Scotland trying to secede from the United Kingdom. Uh, the this, this Scotland vote a year prior unsuccessfully... Right. Uh, breaking away from the United Kingdom very as its close. own sovereign. I mean, very, very close. And uh, we were yeah. watching it here on the air. Uh, it was down to the last couple hours. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and it looked like turbulent for, times. For a
2: period of time it looked like it was going to happen. And so it was, uh, well and the other thing that happened there is that the um, Scottish Independence Party became a major force then in Scotland and uh, in the Parliament in the UK and there's a lot going on in the U.K., a tremendous amount, actually. And uh, Theresa May is meeting with President Trump very soon about some of these things, uh, in regard to these things, too. But the, uh, the process has started in Parliament at this point as well. Uh, one more thing here. Um, talks of a possible 20 percent tax on U.S. imports from Mexico are raising eyebrows in Asia where exports to the U.S. drive growth in many economies. Now, here's what happened there. Um, President Trump, of course, promised on the campaign trail uh, to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. And the other promise that he made is that Mexico would pay for it. So today, the headlines were, and again, if you've been listening to SRN News throughout the day, the headlines were that Trump said, Uh, Well, the way we're going to pay for this wall, which he's already made an executive order to start construction on, uh, the way we're going to pay for it is we're going to put a 20% tax on Mexican goods coming into the United States. Now, there's a lot behind that. That's not something a president can do. Of course, it will have to go through Congress and all of that. But what that did is to set into motion some panic. Panic is maybe too strong of a word, but Raised eyebrows is what they said here in the story, and that's probably as good as anything else uh, around the world, especially in Asian markets like a China or a Japan or a Taiwan or places like that that import many, many of their goods into the United States, wondering whether or not they will be next on the list of nations that's confronted with a an import tax. So I, I did a lot of... Uh, Uh, work outside this story here, but Japanese officials said on Friday they hope to soon hold talks on trade with U.S. officials. Finance Minister Taro Aso said he hoped to explain the reality of Japanese employment in the U.S. President Donald Trump's press secretary, Sean Spicer, said the 20% tax was among several options to finance building a wall along the U.S. southern border, but no decision has been made. This is also part of the the sort of the Trump phenomenon, where he goes out and says something really strong and really decisive, and then his aides spend the next twenty-four hours explaining why that's not true. So, so basically, that's what happened today. Right, right. He said there's going to be a twenty percent tax. Sean Spicer, um, Reince Priebus, uh, Kellyanne Conway, all the uh, usual suspects, Steve Bannon, are all saying now that. Well, they didn't. He didn't really mean that. He just meant that that was one of the potential it's options. Hyperbole,
0: yeah. They, yes, I heard a political analyst yesterday make a good point. I don't know if it's going to prove to be true or not, but it was a very interesting statement. He said that there's a growing. I'm, I'm. It's a. This is so much of a paraphrase, but he said there's a growing thought amongst some journalists that when President Trump makes a statement like three to five million illegal immigrants voted and that's why I didn't win the popular vote. Right. That that is not a crazy statement, but instead he is throwing a big juicy bone over the cliff so that the press will follow that instead of focusing on all the things that he's actually getting done. Now, I don't know if if his policies are so complex that he's actually doing that or if he is just kind of being a maverick and just saying what comes to mind. But it's an interesting point that there's a lot of news about things that actually don't technically make a difference. Like you can say three to five million illegal people voted, but it doesn't actually I mean it and that's not true as far as we know, but we just don't know. But it really you could spend all day talking about it. Big deal. The election's over and it's based on the Electoral College. But all these things are happening in the background. I mean, he's having meetings all day long, signing executive orders, appointing people. I mean, he's meeting with world leaders and they're talking about a statement he made four days ago. And uh, it's just very interesting to see how the media is approaching uh, what he says and then how his his uh, advisors approach what he says. And then, you know, it. He's not really being roped in that much. I think they took away his cell phone is the only thing. He can't tweet anymore. No,
2: he it's non secure for right. most of the things. Although he, he does still do that, I think via other ways, but it it is a dilemma reporting on Trump if you're trying to be strict journalistically about what you report about the president because um he's not he's not a um he's not what I would call a traditional political liar. Right? So politicians lie. This Mm -hmm. is not a newsflash. Right. Yes. But they usually try to keep it as um, as murky as possible, so that they could possibly get themselves out of the lie in a pinch. Right. He doesn't really do that. He just comes outright bold as a lion. Lies. Yeah. He he, doesn't. He says
0: things that that are so easy to disprove. However, like so, I heard a, a commentary yesterday saying. Is there a difference in, in politics and journalism between lying yes, and just believe, truly believing in something that's not true? Right. Now, you know, that might be in, in normal human interaction, obviously, if I tell you something, um, you could just say, Jared, I think you're lying. You know, but in the bigger scope of right. like people making speeches and things, he might truly just believe some things that are positively not true. Right. But he just believes them. Is that him lying or is that him being misinformed? It's kind of scary if he's misinformed because he is the president of the United States. However, you know, is he a liar? I know the New York Times actually resorted to calling him a liar on the front page two days ago, I believe. You know, that's kind of unprecedented as well. That just doesn't happen very often. Well,
2: and there's, there's uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy to go around. Um, you could always ask certain reporters why they didn't hold other presidents accountable for the lies that they told. And, right. and there's all that. But there's a little bit too much going on of uh, of two things happening, saying that everyone in the media is a liar. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have the luxury right. to do that as a believer in Christ. You right. can't just call everyone a liar. Right. And then the other thing that happens is a lot of belief uh, of stories. That clearly aren't true, right? That are passed along because they support a certain narrative, right? So, neither one of these things is particularly helpful, right? Not everything everyone in the news media says is a lie, and not everything that supports your opinion is the truth, yeah. So, you've got a lot. So, it's a, it's a we're in an era where the balance of power and the authority structure, as far as information flow. Is changing in yep. a tremendous way. Yeah, it's, so. it's
0: uh it's interesting time. I think for Christians involved in journalism, because yeah. I mean your your yay needs to be yay and your nay needs to be nay, and you need to be very clear with what is the truth. And very interesting times. Social media has changed the nature of communication so much that people just quickly forward something on it used to be someone would send along an email and you'd have to go to snopes to figure out did that really happen was there really a three-headed baby no okay all right you can prove it but now i mean you can literally have a news site that promotes something they're just quoting another site which is clo- quoting another site so yeah interesting times we don't want to be guilty of that here if we ever say something is not true please uh send us a note we want to be you know honest and forthright and uh we know we have our biases that's 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 no doubt but when we talk about stories and stuff we don't want to just repeat things we've heard we want to make sure we've got the facts right so and chris is a professional journalist so he knows me i could probably be forgiven because everyone knows that i'm amateur hour Chris, thanks for giving us the news today. Yep. Appreciate it, and uh, listeners, thanks for hanging around. It's uh, Friday, January twenty seventh, four twenty seven p.m. on KHMG. We're going to take a short break when we come back. Some stranger than fiction, than, stranger than fiction stories, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. Stick around more live till five after this. <laughs> back with a little more live till 5, 4.32 p.m. on Friday. Did my voice just crack? 4.32 uh, p.m. on Friday, January 27th. Glad you're listening. Hopefully you are smiling a little bit today. We're trying to uh, encourage you a little bit, not just talk about bad news. We'll talk about some interesting things that maybe you didn't know. You can always download the podcast of this show through khmg.org. You can go to SoundCloud through our website. You can just download the podcast, listen to it at your leisure, or you can listen over and over again. Read an article on mental floss, eight surprising facts about the deepest part of the ocean. I've been sitting on this article for a couple of weeks because I thought this sounded so interesting. Did you know the super deep part of the ocean, the, the, the greatest depths, the depths that are like six miles deep, seven miles deep, uh, are, is called the Hadal or Hadal region of the ocean, the Hadal zone? And yes, if that word sounds familiar, that's where you get the word Hades. Like as in the, the place where the uh, Greek mythology, the location of the, the uh, god of the dead, Hades, and also what a lot of people use the same word for uh, place f- for hell, but the Hedal Zone. Did you know that more people have been to the moon than it have explored the Hedal Deep, according to this article in Mental Floss? that really nobody's been all the way down to the bottom at the deepest parts. 2009, um, some uh, researchers made it to the bottom, part of the bottom of the Marianas Trench. But there are deeper parts or or much deeper areas that still have never been explored. Also, the extraordinary depths are measured using explosives. And... um Let's see here. The they basically drop TNT down and sink it down, and then it explodes, and then the boat on the surface can measure how long it took for the the concussion to hit the boat, and they're able to measure the depth. So, in addition to the Mariana Trench, four other trenches like the Kermatic, the Kuril, Kamchatka, the Philippine, and the Tonga Trench have uh, all in the Western Pacific have been identified as deeper than ten thousand meters, which is 32,808 feet. Jacques Cousteau was the first to photograph the Hadal zone, and uh, he was able to get some samples at 25,000 feet deep. And then the deepest sighting of a live fish. Prior to 2009, most species were described to be just one sample, often in poor state. But in 2008, uh, let's see here. A huge leap forward towards understanding sea creatures happened when the first images of live organisms from the Hidal zone were recorded. Japanese research vessel, the Hokuho uh, Maru, deployed a freefall baited lander in the Japan Trench in the Pacific Ocean, becoming the first scientist to produce, to produce images of live hadal creatures in situ. The camera caught pictures of the snail snailfish, which are thought to be most prevalent species of hada- at the hadal depths. 2016 paper went on to identify live snailfish at a depth of 26,722 feet, the deepest confirmed sighting of a live specimen. But there might be deeper. They just haven't confirmed it yet. How about this? We, we, they say that they're not sure just how deep fish could survive. It is possible that there are much deeper fish. Did you know that tons of toxic waste was dumped into the Hidal zone? Now, when you think about the billions of gallons and the dil- how quickly it would dilute any type of toxic substance, you know, in one way, it's like, well, we got to put it somewhere. But really, uh, it is a, a sad thing that the equivalent of almost 900 Boeing 747s worth of toxic pharmaceutical waste was dumped in the Puerto Rico trench. And then they use the study of the Hadal Deep to understand uh, how to survive in space. Also, they believe supergiants exist in the Hadal Zone. Now, it's a supergiant. It's really a very small little creature, but it's hundreds of times bigger in the Hadal Zone. So very interesting, the Hadal Zone or Hadal Zone, that super deep part of the trenches, especially the Mariana Trench, because we live next to the Mariana Trench. Uh, that makes it very interesting. A couple quick Stranger Than Fiction stories. For example, Joseph Talbot. This is from World Magazine. And it is the issue from February 4th, 2017. Dispatches Quick Takes, one of my favorite part. This is the part I first turned to in the magazine. Joseph Talbot went to great lengths to keep his arrest by New York State police from driving while intoxicated on December 29th under wraps. Talbot, 43, initially refused to submit to fingerprinting or take a photograph for his mugshot. Then, when the Times of Wayne County a 12,000 Circulation Weekly published his in the upstate area published a story on the arrest, the Newark, New York man apparently tried to purchase every newsstand copy in the county. In all, newspaper owner Ron Holdraker said Talbot spent $12,500 buying up 1,000 copies on December 31st, but Talbot's efforts backfired, spreading the news further as the story of his arrest and subsequent attempts of suppression went viral on the internet. How about this? Speaking of newspapers, Brinkley City Councilman Larry Taylor will have to watch out for a new media tycoon in the small Arkansas town, his son. The city's official, 19, the city official's 19-year-old son, Hayden Taylor, recently used his savings to purchase the Central Delta Argus Sun newspaper for a song. After putting down his $5,000 investment, the Arkansas teen changed the Weekly's name to the Monroe County Herald and planned a reboot as the paper's owner, publisher, editor, and reporter. The younger Taylor, who said he purchased the paper because it was cheaper than another year in college— said his plan is to target the city council's plan to raise taxes in 2017, so he's going to go against his own father. How about this one? Lon Victor Post probably should think long and hard about how he gets his news. This is another newspaper story. He'll have some time. Deputies from the Mojave County, Arizona Sheriff's Office arrested the 54-year-old after finding him smoking marijuana in his car on January 4th. Surprised by the officer's interest, Post allegedly told the cops it was fine for him to smoke since Arizona had legalized marijuana in November. On the contrary, Arizona voters rejected by a four-point margin in the ballot proposition that would have allowed marijuana smoking after being told the news Post allegedly resisted arrest, was tased, and finally was taken into custody by officers. Whoa, I think something like that just happened on Guam. Someone brought in some marijuana. Here's one, speaking of people traveling. Antoinetta Robles Sauda may have received points for creativity when the guards caught her trying to smuggle her boyfriend out of Venezuela prison, but that didn't save her from arrest. After a visit from Sauda uh, to Punta Ayala Prison, prisoner Jose Vargas Garcia curled up inside her suitcase, and Sauda proceeded to walk out of the prison suitcase in tow. Guards became suspicious, however, as Sauda had trouble pushing the small piece of luggage They opened the suitcase, found Garcia, and arrested Sauda. Authorities took Sauda's six-year-old daughter, who had accompanied Sauda on the visit, to social services. Oh boy. A couple other things, like this one. There was a story, I'll just give you the synopsis. This guy, Ross Lebeau, had been pulled over for a traffic stop, and he had a bag of something. The Harris County Sheriff's Deputy tested the bag for methamphetamines, and it tested positive, so he was arrested. However, it turned out that the bag was kitty litter. Now he tried to tell the deputy that he had kitty kitty litter in a sock in his glove box to reduce moisture on his windshield, so his windows wouldn't fog up because it absorbs the moisture in the car. And um, the deputy didn't believe him. Tested it; it tested positive for methamphetamine, but it actually was kitty litter, not meth. And finally, have you ever lost your car in the parking lot? I'm sure it doesn't happen as much on Guam because our parking lots aren't that big. But uh, there was this this guy who lost his car in the Etihad Stadium parking garage in Manchester on December 30th. Then he eventually had to report, after a couple days of searching, reported his car as stolen. Well, a couple months later, they actually found his car parked there and... um. It wasn't stolen after all. It was just tucked into this little tiny space, and he had come out after a concert, forgot where he had parked it, and finally, uh, the the stadium realized that it was his car and that it was not indeed stolen, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, I'd like to uh, talk about our topic of the day, which is the circus, and of course, my favorite circus hero gunter i'll talk about that when we come back from this short break this is live till five on harvest family radio 88.1 fm khmg i'm jared baldwin your host friday 27th of january four forty-two p.m stick around for more live till five after this short break
4: when this life is all I'll fly away, got to fly away, to a home on God's celestial shore, I'll, I'll, fly, away, I'll fly away, got to fly away, oh, I'll fly away, fly away, I'll fly away, fly away, I'll I'll fly, away, I'll fly, away. fly away, when I, when I, I die, I die. hallelujah, oh, by hallelujah, hallelujah, by, and by,
0: by, and by. And we're back with a little more live till five. I'm looking at a picture of a mug that one of our listeners, PD, provided to me. She said she took a picture of the mug. It was too expensive to buy, but she liked what it said on it. It said, some days my life is only one tent away from a full-blown circus. You ever feel like that? PD does. I do. Maybe you do too. Well, hopefully we're here to relieve a little bit of that stress this afternoon 4.46 p.m. on Friday, January 27th. Check us out on khmg.org. Also go to Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. Now, I went to the Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus when I was a kid at Kansas City's Bartle Hall. So maybe you got to do the same thing. Maybe you've been to Bartle Hall. Maybe you saw the, the circus. The Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth. Remember seeing the commercials for it? I remember going to it, and I especially remember the star of the show, to me, was not the animals, but it was the animal trainer, Gunter Gable Williams. September 12, 1934 to July 19, 2001, animal trainer for Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus from sixty-eight to 1990, born in Schweidnitz Lower Silesia in Poland, and then he immigrated to Germany. When it was ceded, uh, to when Poland ceded in World War II, father was still missing in the Soviet Union. When he and his mother started working for Circus Williams in Germany, in 1947, when the owner suddenly died, his widow asked the 18-year-old Gable to train and take over, which began his career in animal training, and then he took additional surname. He took the additional surname Williams because it was the Williams Circus, Circus Williams. And Basically, if you ever went to the circus in the 70s and 80s especially, you would have seen this blonde, almost white-haired, super muscular, slim billed handsome, poised performer who would walk in and uh, do his act with the lions and the tigers and things like that. And he would incorporate other animals as well. Well, here's a little bit of a story from him. Now, he passed away, of course, 15 years ago, but because we're talking about circuses today, this is the iconic circus image that I have in my mind is Gunther Gable Williams. Died at 66 years old. Taught lions to ride on the backs of skittish horses, leopards to jump through flaming hoops held by gleaming teeth of tigers, elephants to take calm, leisurely walks around the roaring traffic in the nation's busiest cities. Gable Williams, many years, was... Unrivaled star of Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus. He did die of brain tumor in 2000. Internationally celebrated animal trainer Mr. Gable Williams started with Ringling Brothers from 68 to 1990 when he retired from performing and became vice president for animal welfare for the circus and part owner of it as well. From 47 to 68 he worked for as a self-taught animal trainer in Circus Williams in his native Germany. And the story kind of goes on there in the New York New York Times. Gable Williams was principal heir apparent to the tradition of Clyde Beatty, another iconic animal trainer. If you ever watch the old um, Tarzan with Johnny Weissmuller, I believe Clyde Beatty was on one of the episodes of Tarzan movies. Dashing character who dominated the American circus scene. You know where I've seen Clyde Beatty? Now that I am kind of reminiscing and my mind is wondering was on an episode of Abbott and Costello. Anyway, back to the story. Dashing character dominated the American circus scene in the mid-20th century, routinely walking into cages filled with huge cats. Beatty was usually armed with a chair, a whip, and sometimes even a revolver, so the cats would not doubt who was boss. Mr. Gable Williams admired Beatty, but he had no use for chairs or pistols, loaded or unloaded, or anything else that would threaten or injure his animals. Whatever the animals did or tried to do to him, He did not regard himself as their boss. He communicated with them using his commanding presence in the ring. He was only five feet, four inches tall. You would not know that from the pictures. Only five feet, four inches tall. His voice and the bits of meat he gave them to make sure they understood when he was pleased. Sometimes he was actually injured by the animals, but did you know he never missed a performance his whole career till he retired? Uh, He even made—the thing that some people might remember— If you watched TV in the 1980s, you might remember his TV commercial for American Express in which a real star was Kenny riding on Mr. Gable Williams' shoulder. After Kenny died, he was a cheetah or a leopard. After Kenny died, Mr. Gable Williams had the taxidermist preserve Kenny's skin and the skins of a few other great cats that were given a place of honor on the floor of his living room. Nobody was allowed to walk on them. We walk around them out of respect, said Mr. Gable Williams, because they're not trophies but dear old friends. I mean, you don't always do that to your dear old friends, but I digress. By 1990, he was close to the end of his performing career. Mr. Gables Williams was working with 21 elephants, 38 horses, 22 tigers, four zebras, three camels, and a couple of llamas. By that time, Mr. Gable Williams. And uh, you can read more about him, of course. You can go online. He was, he was basically the 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 face of Ringling Brothers Circus. You might think about circuses that they're super dangerous, but you know they're a relatively few accidents that actually happened at circuses like there was one in 1962 january one of the worst accidents involving circus performers two people died a third was paralyzed when a human pyramid collapsed at the shrine circus in detroit it was the flying valendas there's been a whole documentary series about where the flying valendas are now they still do circus work and basically they do high wire work the whole family without a safety net and they had a seven person three level pyramid on a wire 60 feet above the ground the front man faltered and the pyramid fell. August 2003, Eva Garcia, 38, an aerialist, fell 20 feet to her death in front of 800 people while performing at the Hippodrome Circus in Great Yarmouth, England. It occurred at the beginning of her act as she was descending from a trap door in the roof. She lost her grip and fell. And there was no equipment failure, it was just her grip. In June 2013, on stage fatality for Cirque du Soleil, aerialist Sarah. Gaillard Gilot, 31, fell 94 feet in Las Vegas and died before reaching the hospital. She was climbing a wire rope. It shifted out of the disc and the, and the pulley broke. Cirque du Soleil. So, relatively small amount of accidents happen with circuses, but uh, the Ringling Brothers Circus is closing. And uh, although I do look back fondly to going to the circus when I was a child... It's really in the big scope of things, you know, things come and go. I remember Circus Bruno came through Guam. Someone was telling me today they got to go to that. Maybe you got to go to that in the early 2000s, I believe they came through. I heard it was pretty wild, pretty crazy. Some animals got left behind even, I think was the rumor. So uh, if you have any circus stories, go on Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. Leave us a circus story. We'd love to hear from you. Now we're going to take a short break, and when we come back going to wrap up the show, tell you a little bit about what's happening here at Harvest this weekend. So stick around for more Live Till Five after this short break.
4: Walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. God walk with me while I'm on this old tedious journey. I want Jesus
2: to walk with me.
0: Take my hand And we're back with the closing minutes of our second hour of Live Till Five every Friday afternoon, three to five PM. This is episode two hundred and one. On this Friday, January 27th, catch us on The Rebound, noon to two Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. Maybe you're listening to one of those rebroadcasts. Thank you for tuning in. Want to just invite you, if you have not a place to attend church by yourself, with your family, please come visit us at Harvest Baptist Church. I happen to be an assistant pastor there this weekend. We have a special speaker, Pastor Danny Brooks, who's also our Couples Retreat speaker. He's going to be speaking on the family and relationships. His wife's going to be speaking to the ladies at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. He'll be speaking to the men, and then he'll be preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's going to be a really great time. I encourage you to come to Harvest Baptist Church right here in Barragata, right across from Hmongmong Total Mighty. Just turn at the Mobile McDonald's and come down the street. You can't miss us. And I want to encourage you to Find a church home that preaches the Bible, that encourages you to live and walk in a way that pleases the Lord. If you're a dad, lead your family spiritually. Take them to church. If you're a mom, encourage your family to to be, to, to be obedient to God's word. And uh, you can find a good church here in Guam. Harvest is not the only one. There are many. And if you ever have any questions, you can contact me through Facebook at Harvest Family Radio, I'd love to refer you to a good church, even if it's not Harvest. Just want to see people sitting down under the preaching and teaching of God's Word so they can grow. That's very important. That's why uh, we do things like a couples retreat, because we believe in investing in families. We want families to grow. We have families from many different churches coming to this retreat this weekend. It is meant to encourage and strengthen families, because we know the devil attacks families. He hates families families. He hates it when people do things God's way, and we want to do anything we can to stem the tide that is, that is constantly pushing against the family. Harvest Baptist Church also has all kinds of things going on. Men's Bible studies, ladies Bible studies, prison ministry, jail ministry. We have teen ministry, children. We have a Wednesday night prayer meeting with all kinds of classes, we're going to be uh, giving some details about Financial Peace University, which we're going to be offering in the month of March through May. It'll be just a great time. So I just want to encourage you, if you don't have a church home, again, come visit us at Harvest. And uh, we'd love to love to meet you. If you come because you heard about us on the radio, please let me know. I'll be down front after every service. You can't miss me. I'm the guy making the announcements. And that's about it for this show. Live till 5, episode 201 is done On this Friday, January 27th, thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Go to our website, khmg.org. Listen to the podcast. Download some of our other great programs from Harvest Family Radio. Go to our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio. Let us know you're listening. Share our Facebook page with others. We really appreciate it. This is Live Till 5 on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata Guam. I'm Jared Baldwin. Have a great weekend.